Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. This technology made available to us through the brains that God gives people around the world gives us an opportunity using podcasting to let you listen to introductions to some of the Bible teaching series that I have done, Bible prophecy teaching series, that is. And one of them is Malachi, a Middle East news update. It's the last book in the Old Testament. It's the last word from God before 400 years of silence and then the appearance of Jesus Christ here on the earth. In fact, Jesus is talked about when Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says, that great and awesome day of the Lord shall not come until there is an appearance by Elijah the prophet. Well, Jesus said that John the Baptist could have been the fulfillment of that prophecy. I'm getting ahead of myself. This book of Malachi is a very important prophetic book that you need to study. You can do it with us. We'll make this available for you. The phone number to call is 8-PROPHECY-8. It's a toll-free number, 877-674-3298 from all across America. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and find out about this five-hour CD audio series, Malachi, a Middle East News Update. Say, do you have a few moments? Let me let you listen to the introduction to this series, and I'll get back with you and remind you how you can get your copy of it. Right now, though, here is Malachi, and in fact, a Middle East news update. Now, when did Malachi prophesy? Malachi, we said, prophesied 400 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, at the beginning or just at the edge of that period of time when God would be silent through man communicating a message in the Word of God. But he also prophesied with two other prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. You see, those three, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, prophesied after the Babylonian captivity. There were two prophets that prophesied during the Babylonian captivity, Daniel and Ezekiel. All the other prophets prophesied prior to the Babylonian captivity, that 70-year period of time when the Jews are being held captive in the city of Babylon, located on the Euphrates River today, about 65 miles just outside of Baghdad, Iran. And so they were there, the two prophets prophesying during that time, Daniel and Ezekiel, and then Haggai, Zechariah, they would prophesy soon after the Jews under Zerubbabel, about 50,000 of them, would return. When you're reading the book of Ezra, for example, you read chapters 1 through 5, and in chapter 5, if you want to read chronologically the prophets, you read Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai, an older prophet, Zechariah, a younger prophet, who was qualified to be a priest as well, one of three men qualified to be priest, and that would be Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and and, uh, Zechariah. These three men qualified to be priests, as well as being selected by God to be prophets. Then along comes Malachi. He's a little bit later than Haggai and Zechariah, but one of the three prophets prophesying after the Babylonian captivity. He would have been prophesying during the time of Nehemiah. You remember how everything unfolded? The fall of the Babylonian Empire, Daniel chapter 5, takes place in 539 B.C. Then Zerubbabel is given permission by Cyrus. That's a great story, a fulfillment of prophecy. 156 years earlier, Isaiah prophesied that a man named Cyrus would be raised up. And by name, he named this man. He would be raised up. He would then give the Jews permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. 
And Ezra chapter 1 is a record of the fulfillment of that prophecy of Isaiah. Chapter 2, Zerubbabel selects these 50,000, 49,897 to be exact, of these Jews, and they go back into Jerusalem and they build the temple. It takes them a period of time. That's why Haggai and Zechariah have to come along and urge them on, prophesy and say, build the temple. You build your own homes. Now build the house of the Lord. Go build the temple. Get your priorities correct. Well, it was during that time that Zerubbabel was the leader of the Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem. After the temple was built, in fact, 75 years after the return of the Jews back to Jerusalem, and the temple had been completed probably around 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the temple was completed during that time, in that time frame, and uh, they called Ezra to come and come back into the land and be the scribe who would lead the worship in the temple. That was 75 years after they returned from the Babylonian captivity, probably about 465, 470 B.C. Then 15 years later, Nehemiah is going to get permission from Artaxerxes to go back, not to build the temple, but to rebuild the walls of the city, rebuild the streets of the city, because as he had heard in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we heard that he heard from one of his relatives that Jerusalem was basically a laughingstock to the world, and that he had to, uh, he had to have something done, and so Artaxerxes gained permission to go back. Now, it's during that time period that, Haggai, that uh, Malachi is going to come along and prophesy. And so there's not a lot more that we know about Malachi except what I've just basically explained to you, but that's the messenger. What's really key and important in this book is the message that God gives his messenger to pass along to us. As you look at the book, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide it into three different areas as we think through this four-chaptered book of Malachi. First of all, I'm going to look with you at the details of the past significance of the message in Malachi's time. And then we're going to look at how he describes the present situation in light of what is found in Malachi's prophecy. And finally, we'll look at the prophetic scenario that is laid out, and we'll see he divulges that prophetic scenario for us to understand as we go through the book. Let's look first at the details of the past significance of the book. And let me tell you, I've given you a little bit of background of how everything was going on. I've told you that basically the temple has been up now for about a hundred years at the time uh, Malachi comes along. He's going to pre-prophesying around 400 years before Christ. The temple was completed about 500 years before Christ. The temple has been up and operating And as Malachi comes along, there's some problems that have begun to happen with the Jewish worship at the temple. If you have your Bible, go with me to verse 6 of chapter 1. Let's look at the three characteristics of the times of Malachi as he begins to give these prophetic messages that would actually look down the telescope through the corridors of time looking basically at today. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. A son honoreth his father... And a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? 
And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? By the way, that phrase, Lord of hosts, used 24 times in the book of Malachi. Very unique distinction is given to our wonderful Savior Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts. And so as the Lord of hosts saith unto you, O priest, notice what he says in verse 6, the last part of it, O priest that despise my name. And you say, wherein have you despised my, thy name? Here's what he says. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee and accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? The first thing that was going on is that they were offering sacrifices that were lame. You remember the whole sacrificial system? The book of Leviticus, which I believe you did spend some time in before I got here, the book of Leviticus lays out a system of sacrifice. In the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus, it tells how to select that sacrifice, how then to sacrifice that sacrifice, and what the significance of that sacrifice will mean when you follow through. And it was to be that you were to choose an animal, a lamb, a goat, a bull, without blemish or without spot. No lame animal was to be brought in for sacrifice. No blind animal. A perfect animal. In fact, what is unique is that when the lambs to be sacrificed at the temple in Jerusalem were born, you know what they did? In fact, you know where they were born? In the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem. That was the holding pen for the sacrificial lambs. And it was in those shepherd's fields that when the lamb was birthed, they wrapped it in a swaddling clothes to keep that lamb from beating his limbs against something and marring them, breaking them, scratching them. And they would take, the shepherd man would take the the lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes and lay it up in a manger until it just settled down. And then they would unwrap the swaddling clothes and let the lamb go away. But they were continually watching it. It was to be without blemish, without spot. It had to be perfect. It was going to be offered at the temple. And when the tabernacle was up, it had to be perfect. Whatever they selected in lambs, goats, or bulls had to be perfect. The heifer, the red heifer, it had to be so perfect. Not only did his body have to be perfect, but even the hair on the red heifer. It had to be totally red with the exception of having two colors, or two hairs rather, of another color. And so these at the temple now, a hundred years after the second temple had been rebuilt, the sacrificial system had been restored, and the priests were bringing sacrifices that were lame to the altar. And God says, what are you doing? In fact, it is so ironic that the priest would bring a tainted sacrifice. You know why? Because every animal offered on the altar at the temple was to be given back to the priest in meat that he could eat and even take home to his family. And so that which was going to be given back by God 
was being offered lame. It's like, well, maybe one of the sons of Ephraim, which is the hill country just outside of Jerusalem, the area called Shiloh, the area that would be known as Bethel. Judy and I were just at Bethel. I visited Benny Elan, who was the former minister of tourism for Israel, went into his home. And it's like if, if Benny Elan was a, a, a raiser of cattle and had a big, beautiful prize bull that he had developed through his herds. And all of a sudden, that big bull got sick, and he called the veterinarian. And the veterinarian came over and looked at the bull and said, Benny, I don't think this bull is long for this world. And so Benny would say, got an idea if it's not going to be long for this world. I'm taking it to the temple. We're going to sacrifice this prize bull. That's what they were doing. They were bringing sacrifices that were lame. And God says, how have you dishonored me? You wouldn't take it to the governor of the land, would you? Why are you bringing it to me at the temple? Well, that was one of the situations that was going on just before these silent years started. Thank you so very much for joining us on this podcasting opportunity for you to hear an introduction to a series entitled Malachi, a Middle East News Update. You know what's going on in the Middle East will help you to understand the times in which we're living. In fact, it is the time clock that you can understand what God's program for the end times is all about. This five-hour CD audio series, Malachi, a Middle East news update, is available to you. Call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298. That is a toll-free number from across America. Eight prophecy eights the way I remember it. Maybe you can jot that down and remember it that way as well. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, go to our shopping mall and find out how you can purchase your copy of Malachi, a Middle East news update. We'll look at Malachi, the messenger, and the message. Two brothers, two states, two temples, and two witnesses. That is the five messages on this five-hour series, Malachi, a Middle East News Update. Hope that uh, this will be a blessing to you and help you to understand, in light of the study of the Scriptures, where we are in God's time. Tell you the truth, the answer is the rapture is about to take place. In fact, it could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...